the content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Hello and welcome. My name is Rebecca Gauthier. I'm the director of the Longevity Now Conference, which is coming up soon, Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California. Join us as we explore mega immunity. And I'm thrilled to have a legend as one of our keynote speakers, Dr. Hal Huggins, who's considered the elder statesman of holistic dentistry. He spent the last 45 years living by the mantra, first, do no harm, and is a leading pioneer in identifying toxic dental materials, balancing body chemistry, and developing a multidisciplined approach to managing autoimmune diseases with the assistance of trained dentists and medical professionals. He's well-known internationally for his stand against deception in dental practices and regulations and has remained on the cutting edge of dentistry and holistic health since the beginning of his practice 51 years ago. He's been hailed the world's most controversial dentist because of his vigorous stand against mercury amalgams and his recommendation that dentists refuse to place or even recommend placing amalgam fillings and performing root canals. A leading researcher in the study of the marriage of metals and microbes and their effects on overall health, he continues research through DNA analysis of pathogens provided through today's practicing dentist. I'm thrilled to have him here with me today. Welcome, Dr. Hal Huggins. Well, it is a pleasure to be here because my purpose in life is to generate awareness, and you're one who can help us do that. Let's start off by finding out what got you interested in dentistry in the first place. Well, it's interesting that you had asked that because when that was asked in the first day in dental school, there were 31 students and they went through and asked each one why he got interested in dentistry. One had a father who was a dentist and the rest of us had not the foggiest idea why we got into it. No real reason except I like to work with uh, wood carving and the things that were small with my hands and dentistry seemed to fill the bill. And how long into your career did you begin to discover that mercury was going to be an issue and then it was also leaching into people's bodies through their fillings? Yeah, about uh, 11 years and um, three months, two days. I was down, I was uh, a presenter on an international program in uh, Mexico and I was talking about using blood chemistry to determine how a person got dental decay and gum disease and how to prevent it. And I said there was one case here I was showing where um, the gum disease did not respond. I knew everything about the chemistry. I did everything. The only problem was it didn't work. And a fellow came up to me from the audience who was from Rio de Janeiro. His name was Olympio Pinto. And he said that's because mercury is coming out of the fillings infecting the gums. And I told him that mercury did not come out of the fillings and there's no way it could affect the gums. And I talked to him about that for 10 minutes and then I shut up and started listening. That's when I started learning. 
and he told me that uh, he had done a lot of research showing that mercury came out of the fillings not only affecting the gums but causing uh, leukemia, neurological diseases, and a whole raft of other things which left me with my mouth open. In your book, It's All in Your Head, The Link Between Mercury Amalgams and Illness, you talk a lot about Dr. Pinto and the influence he had on you when he brought this information to your attention. What did you do once you found out about this? What what changed in your practices, in your approach? Well, I, he had said, you know about blood chemistry, how to interpret it. So go home, do blood chemistry on people, take their fillings out, do another chemistry, take some others, do a chemistry, put mercury fillings in, do follow-up chemistries, and then uh, teach yourself. And it only took me three weeks until I gave away all of my amalgam placing materials, and I never placed another amalgam after that because it was quite evident by looking at blood chemistries that there was an enormous amount of damage that was being done to people's immune systems, cardiovascular systems. Anything that had to do with health was messed up by mercury, but devoted the rest of my life to trying to get mercury out of dentistry, which we're just about to accomplish. Can you give maybe an example of a powerful story that you witnessed where one of your patients had some mercury fillings and then you took them out and what resulted? It may be a thousand stories, but one of the (laughs) first things that happened was just within a few weeks that I learned about mercury. A fellow hopped into my office. Uh, He could only use one arm and one leg and he draped himself over his wife for sort of a three-legged race as they uh, hopped into the reception room, not real gracefully, and uh, he explained that he had uh, multiple sclerosis and he had come to me to reverse it. I said, look, I don't even know how to spell it. I don't know anything about it. He said, well, I've heard you know about uh, nutrition, blood chemistry, and that uh, you can fix my MS. I said, well, I've never tried. I don't know anything about it. And he said, well, I came 2,000 miles to see you to have you try and see if it would work. So knowing nothing about it but accidentally making some right decisions, uh, within two to three days after we started with him, he could walk on his own and he held out his right hand to shake hands with me, which he could not do three days before because his whole arm was numb. Well, my whole office staff came down in tears after seeing that, and I knew that we had something much bigger than I thought it was, and we did, because now we have treated over 1,000 MS patients. We have a computerized program that uh, analyzes the blood chemistry for these patients. We have programs with me directly, no matter how we cut it. It turns out that mercury is one of the most poisonous things on the planet, which seems to be known by everybody except dentistry. How are they getting away with that? How is that possible? They say mercury is perfectly safe, not to worry, and people say, okay, that's the Mm -hmm. end of the story right there. Mm -hmm. Nobody really has any direction over dentistry. Dentistry does what it wants to do. And it says uh, the amount of mercury, first of all, they said mercury doesn't come out of a filling. Well, 
that was easy enough to prove with the mercury vapor analyzers. In 10 seconds, you could get a reading. And then they said, oh, well, mercury comes out, but it's not enough to do any damage. Well, we now have 300,000 blood chemistries that uh, have been done on either my patients or patients of people that I have taught. And out of 300,000, we have a pretty substantial number that shows that mercury is dangerous. But uh, the ADA says, well, uh, we don't believe it. Right. And then the other thing that you state in your book is that, well, back in the 80s, the American Dental Association said that only 5% of the population was sensitive to mercury anyway, and it was too low to be significant. And then you point out, well, if 5% of the population had polio or, or, or AIDS, that would be over 12 million people in just the United States. Yeah. And, and how is that dismissed? How is that insignificant? Yeah, because they say so. Well, hey, what's the bottom line? Bottom line is that there is a, a whole lot of money that's at stake here. The ADA is worth a great deal more money than I thought, uh, almost $2 billion. They don't want to lose that. If you had $2 billion, you wouldn't want to lose it, would you? Um, I wouldn't want to lose it. All they have to do is cover the thing up. And the thing is, if a dentist uh, says mercury is toxic, he's out selling used cars the next day because he just lost his license. Mm -hmm. Gag rule that if you say anything wrong about mercury, your license is history. So no dentist who's got kids to put in college and payments on his home and stuff like that is going to voluntarily throw away his license just by saying, hey, mercury's dangerous. Can you talk a little bit about what happened to you when you became outspoken about mercury amalgams and how the ADA reacted and so forth? Well, up to that time, I was the fair-haired child. I was lecturing 100 days a year. And I would not lecture June, July, and August because there weren't any meetings then. So I was the second most popular lecturer in dentistry. And then at the end of one lecture, they asked for questions, and somebody asked if there was a relationship between uh, amalgam and multiple sclerosis. And I had three minutes to answer that question. And in that three minutes, I convinced a lot of people there was a relationship and my former best friend came up to me who had introduced me, and he said, Huggins, you just ripped your knickers. We'll see to it you never speak on a dental program again. They banned me from speaking on any dental program uh, within the United States, and if I were listed on the program, the program got no postgraduate credit for the whole program. So in essence, my whole career stopped in one day. That's incredible. You know, you're such a pioneer at that time, being so outspoken against mercury amalgams. They tried to destroy your career, and yet due to your courage and just this deep wish for people to know the truth, you just kept going. And I, I just have to take a moment to applaud everything that you've done. I personally got all my amalgams removed about four years ago. I had 10 and I went to Mexico to a biodentistry center, and I had them all removed. And I have to say, I felt significant results immediately. And as I was getting put under, because they were in all four quadrants, so they had to put me out to be able to do it, I thought, I'm getting 10 amalgam mercury fillings out right now. Millions of people are getting them put in. 
When I first started this, they were placing a million amalgams a day. Now they're down to about 200,000 a day, but I just got a letter from Charlie Brown, the attorney in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, after five international meetings. Uh, they have all agreed that they will put mercury in fillings on a uh, gradual ban. You know, my idea is stop it yesterday, uh, but they're going to gradually reduce the amount of mercury so it is placed in people over the next few years. So it's taken 35 years to get here, but mm -hmm. the time I'm 100, which isn't that far off, uh, I'm sure that uh, mercury will be off the planet in a lot of things, not just in dentistry. International uh, agreement will be signed by, I don't know, something like 80 countries. So in essence, that will uh, stop it. And some of these states within the United States are already taking um, taking action to get mercury out of dentistry in uh, California. Let's see, you guys are in California, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, there are some people out in California who have done a marvelous job at uh, getting mercury uh, banned in several of the cities. And mm -hmm. I'm very proud of these people. There are two or three women in particular have put a lot of effort into this. And they have been successful in saving many lives, many diseases that they will never know about, and the people who don't get the diseases will never know about, too. So I'm proud of them. Yes, here biodentistry is, is fairly common. There's a number of excellent dentists that people can go to where they are doing things like using composite fillings and so forth. Could you take a moment to speak to that, what yes. composite fillings are and why they're a safe alternative? Uh, what are composite fillings? Mm -hmm. Another word that might be more familiar is plastic. They are plastics, and they're assumed to be uh, safe, but if you look at the majority of the composites, uh, they contain, contain high amounts of aluminum. And uh, over the last year, we have uh, been fed information from the International Aluminum Conference that... Uh, Aluminum is almost as toxic as mercury. We have a DNA laboratory here in which we test the effects of root canals and metals like mercury and nickel and aluminum, the dental metals, to see what it does, what these metals do to people's chemistries. And we're finding that, yes, aluminum does come out of the composites. It does come out of the porcelain crowns. It does stimulate the bacteria to produce toxins that produce disease, such as the one we've studied the most is breast cancer. And so we can show that these things are not as safe as they're cracked up to be. You can get compatibility testing done, which was done uh, when I took a postdoc master's emphasizing immunology and toxicology a few years ago at the University of Colorado. And while there we developed a test that is used commercially now um, to determine whose immune system can handle which composites. In other words, some of the dental materials are safe for you, but those may not be safe for me. And what's safe for me is not necessarily safe for you. But a blood test looking at immunologic parameters will show which ones are safe for you and which are safe for me, but the 
uh, ones that contain aluminum, and some of them are as high as like 85% aluminum silicate, that aluminum does not stay in the product. It does not stay in the crown. It does not stay in the filling. And as far as I can see, uh, our laboratory here is the only one that has ever shown that within uh, a day there is enough mercury coming out of the composites and out of the crowns to stimulate the bacteria to produce toxins that they may not have known how to produce before you introduce them to aluminum. So if you're going to have, uh, well, most people have their fillings removed and replaced with something white. Well, over 60% of the composites do contain high amounts of aluminum, and you just jump from the frying pan into the fire. People call our office. I don't know if it's legit to give our uh, 800 number, but they can be referred to people who have been trained. You want to go ahead and give that now, definitely. Okay. The 800 number is not 800. It's 866. <laughs> but it is 866-948-4638. And we can refer you to people who, well, they have been trained. They don't all do what they're supposed to. I would say... Uh, candidly, that probably half of them still do root canals, which are uh, worse for patients than the mercury fillings, which I used to think was about as bad as anything could could happen to somebody. So the takeaway point is someone who has mercury amalgam fillings, or say someone needs to get a filling and they don't want mercury put in their mouth, they would get a test done to determine what materials would be best for them because it's different for everyone, and then they would go to a dentist that they trust to fill their mouth. A dentist who will use the technology, use the blood test to find out. I mean, mm -hmm. I trust people. I trust the pilot of the airplane I was in yesterday, but he doesn't know what filling to put in my mouth. So, yes, you need to be put in the hands of a dentist who has been trained in this technology. And the problem is, if it's found out that a dentist uses my technology, he's apt or she's apt to lose their license, too. So it's kind of a touch-and-go situation. But health is something that uh, the Dental Association is obviously not involved with. So you would say that when someone goes to the dentist, they should ask, what exactly is in this material that you are putting in my mouth? Does it contain aluminum? Yeah, and they probably don't know. And they'll probably say, hey, it's been passed by the ADA, therefore it's safe. Wow. Get educated first. Go to, you know, pick up one of the books. I've written a bunch of books. There are several books that have been written on this. We just had one come out uh, just last month called Patient Empowerment that tells mm -hmm. people not only about amalgam and root canals, but uh, about sealants and a whole lot of things that are used in dentistry that are dangerous. But there's no way for a patient to find out. But if they read patient empowerment, they will know. They don't have to ask the dentist because in most cases, the dentist doesn't know. Most mm -hmm. dentists, well, if you ask a dentist, is mercury safe, he's got to say yes. But if you ask, are the composites safe? Oh, yeah, sure, they are. Well, 60 to 70% of them aren't. But this is something that is not taught to dentists structurally. They are not allowed to to go to courses that teach this sort of thing. So, unfortunately, the patient has to educate themselves. 
but there are books out there that will help the patient educate himself. So let's talk a little bit about root canals. It seems like dentists are root canal happy, and, and so many root canals are being done now. Are there other ways that can be implemented to avoid a root canal? What should someone do if they're recommended a root canal? Run. <laughs> and why are they so detrimental to one's health? Because root canals are dead, number one. And they say, well, you try to take a tooth out, it'll hurt. They're not dead. Well, the tooth itself is dead. The tissue around it is alive. But the tooth is dead, and anything in the body that's dead, you know, like a ruptured appendix, the immune system is going to fight against it. And with root canals, root canals will generate what's called an autoimmune response which translated into English says an autoimmune disease like diabetes, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, um, <clears throat> lupus. All these things are autoimmune diseases, and many of them can be traced to the placement of a root canal. Well, why is that? Well, here's a series of things that uh, we have discovered that are kind of interesting. Our DNA laboratory brings something to mind every week that we had never thought of before. But there's something that has become evident in the last year, and that's what I call the marriage between metals and microbes. The metals uh, like nickel and uh, mercury and copper and aluminum come out of the dental materials and stimulate the bacteria to produce toxins. Well, where did the bacteria come from? A root canal is a haven for for bacteria. You can't sterilize them. They talk about sterilizing a tooth. Well, they try to sterilize the column of air in the middle of the tooth, but what dentists are not taught is there are 75 auxiliary canals just in a front tooth, in a single front tooth. There's no way any instrument small enough to get into those canals and clean them. So there's dead tissue in there, which attracts streptococcus and staphylococcus, and as we have found in the DNA laboratory, 92 other microbes, other bacteria. Well, here are the bacteria, and they also have periodontal ligament, the thing that attaches the tooth to the bone. That is a haven with plenty of blood supply to generate lots of new bacteria. So every time you bite down, that bacteria goes right into your bloodstream. And where does your bloodstream go? Everywhere. So these various 93 bacteria can go all over the body looking for a new condominium. And some of them have preferences for the heart, uh, some for the lungs, some for the kidneys. Uh, wherever they want to go from the bloodstream, they can sniff it out, literally, uh, they have almost a nose system to identify what type of dead tissue or sick tissue they want to invade. So we've got a source of bacteria, which will never stop, and that's the root canal. We have a challenge to the immune system because there's something there that's dead, and that doesn't go away. And then we have the metals coming out of the fillings, and they stimulate these bacteria to produce toxins. And another thing we have found in the last year, mutations. Mutations I'll probably talk about in California if I have time because 
the amount of the number of mutations that are created, and we can show this in the laboratory, we can prove that these mutations are coming from dental materials, and we see this in, oh, in medicine and dentistry and everything else that uses testing. Thank you so much again for joining us, Dr. Huggins. I look forward to seeing you and the 1,200 other longevity enthusiasts at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California, Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th. We have an incredible lineup of speakers this year, including Tony Horton, best-selling author John Robbins, Dr. Bob Marshall, Dr. Christy Garner, Ron Teagarden, Dr. Dave Wyanarski, as we explore the topic of mega immunity together. Be prepared for three incredible days of empowerment, inspiration, and education with your host, of course, David Wolf. I'll see you there. Have the best day ever.